in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Chad Buckelman. I'm Corwin Kroll. And I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 191. Yeah. Sinistro Core War. The <laughs> Retrospective. <laughs> About friggin' time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, well, maybe if somebody had gotten around to it sooner. That's why you're on. We we had to we had to drag one of you back to fulfill your promise. <laughs> I always said that I would be here for it. I don't know about Dan. <laughs> Just call him out like that. <laughs> uh, don't you still have to? Not like he'll listen to the episode or anything later. <laughs> don't you still have to podcast with him? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Just won't mention it. Dan and I had a falling out over Green Lantern. But we still record the Sliders cast. (laughs) But we're finally doing it, folks. We're getting around to Sinestro Core War in one episode. God help us all. Everyone. As far as keeping it within a time limit. We're actually excited to cover the material. (laughs) But a time limit. We'll see how we can do. Oh, I think think, uh, we'll be able to do it. No problem. Well, with me doing the recap, no problem. Yeah, a relatively nice, crisp recap is always a uh, guarantee we'll finish under a uh, a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> under the three-hour mark. I was thinking, I was I was dreaming of two, but no more than two and a half at the worst. Oh man, you know, listening to you guys, and I do, I listen to you guys all the time. Um, Thank it's you. It's funny. Because, like, one week, Mark will have the better reviews, and then the next week, like, Chad will have the better reviews. <laughs> and, like, you guys kind of, like, alternate like that. So, like, you know, one one, one issue, like, you know, Mark just, like, you know, goes through it, hits all the high points, and then you discuss it, you know, and then Chad will be like, you know, oh, my God. And then on this page, you have, like, you know, Hal Jordan's hair, which is slightly flopped down in this panel. <laughs> Uh, in any case, yeah, like this is uh, all 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 things uh, you know totaled up with the the tie-ins and the the prologue and the the, the epilogue. You had like sixteen issues. True. Yeah, it's hard to it. It was real easy to forget how how long and not in a bad way, darling people. <laughs> how long this storyline was, but yet how interesting it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you only had, like, uh, what was it, five issues of each book. Yeah, it was like a, like a five-issue series, you know, for Green Lantern, five issues for Green Lantern Corps, and then the prologue, um, the epilogue was in Green Lantern Corps, and then there were the four tie-ins. Now, well, uh, go ahead, Gorn. I was just going to give the issues because, of course, there's the Green Lantern Sinestro Core War special, Green Lantern 21 through 25, Green Lantern Core 14 through 19, and then the one-shots, a couple different one-shots. 
How was the releasing schedule? Because I didn't start reading Green Lantern regularly until read the uh, Final Crisis Rage of the Red Lantern special. So as far as getting this stuff in issues when it came out, I wasn't doing that. So did, did DC have issues releasing it like they do now? You know, they'll, they'll release an epilogue issue before the final issue of a storyline. Like, did any of that stuff, did these release out of order because of delays or anything like that? No. Okay. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I may, Maybe Green Lantern 25 might have been pushed back. I don't remember if it was. For some reason, that wouldn't surprise me if it was pushed back like a week or two. But I don't think I. But no, I saw yeah, releasing the epilogue before the fight. That, that was I still can't believe they did that. How stupid! I mean, <laughs> going <laughs> referring to what a first lantern, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's like how how idiotic was that? <laughs> but um, nah, they were a little things were a little more together back back then. Yeah, yeah, I think the like the tie-ins might have had like um, a slightly off timing. Just because, like, you know, a tie-in might have come, like, before an issue, but it was all, like, right around the same time, so it was very close. And plus, they were just the tie-ins, so. And plus, they changed the, the Superboy one, because originally it was it was Superboy Prime, and then they changed, by the time it came out, it was said Superman Prime on it. Right, right. So. Okay, so I'm going to tackle this review. And uh, this is not obviously not going to be an issue by issue one because we'd be here till morning. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Episode one ninety one D. Okay, so starts out in the Sinestro Core War special. Uh, this uh, this first book. And I'm only going to go into a little bit of depth on this one because this was actually, like, voted the comic book of the year by, like, numerous websites uh, and, uh, you know, comics type of uh, organizations. It gave a lot of information on Green Lantern to somebody that had not been reading it. It gives a lot of background. It basically recaps everything that's been happening since Rebirth. They go through... Um, this is where you get to see, you know, the great scene with Sinestro. He's like, you know, he's naked and he's got a ring that's dead and he has to ignite the ring with, uh, you know, his own, you know, fear inside him. Um, and then, you know, you know, you're just showing all the Green Lanterns, uh, the Green Lantern, you know, universe. Um, Kyle is Ion at the beginning of this, this story. And, uh, all of a sudden there's like, um, you know, the Sinestro rings, you know, start popping up and this isn't like the first, you know, like the, the, the start of like the whole light war and everything like that, because, um, a few issues back, Batman had been selected for the Sinestro core. I'm sure most of you remember that, that one image with Batman where, you know, he's got the Sinestro core ring. Uh, he rejected it. And then a few issues before that, the Star Sapphires, you know, they were, uh, you know, thinking maybe they should go in that direction also as far as rings. But this, you know, this storyline is where it really, uh, you know, gets set into motion. So um, one of the the, the bigger things, Kyle, um, a ring, a Sinestro Core ring flies onto his hand during, you know, the initial attack. He gets sucked into the antimatter universe, 
where Sinestro is able to influence him and pull Ion out and put Parallax in. So you have Kyle Parallax. You have, uh, let's see. Well, this is, this is what we learned. There is such a thing as the Ion entity as well. Oh, right. Well, yeah, we'll discuss that. Um, yeah, that- yeah, there's a lot of I mean, there, there are a lot of things, a lot of details to talk about, especially like in the where big how this begins and ends. So I think I think we'll just touch on the yeah big things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then we then we can delve into the you know the important things to talk about. But I agree with you. I was thinking about saying the I was thinking the same thing, Corwin, at the same. So I, you know, like it's just that since here we are, like so far out from it, I figured that everybody just kind of knows about the entities at this point. Um, but no, you're right. Um, we sh- we probably should have figured out that it was entities, but anyway. So you have Kyle as Parallax. You have you know a bunch of uh, the you know Green Lanterns slaughtered by this initial attack, uh, which was actually um, an assault to break out two of uh, pri- to the prisoners that they had in the science cells. Uh, one of them being Cyborg Superman, who they had or uh, also talked about that he had seen the um, the truth behind the New 52, and he had like seen beyond the source wall, stuff like that. Um, and all he wants to do is die, but he can't. And uh, the other one, the other person that they want to break out is Superboy Prime, who at this point uh, is about to become Superman Prime, who is stored in a science cell next to like a mini red sun uh, with tons of Green Lantern guards guarding him all the time. Um, the Sinestro Corps, their assault on Oa is to break out these, you know, these two uh, and also do a lot of damage, which they do. So by the end of the Sinestro Corps war special, Sinestro has rounded up his uh, his big three, as it were. He's got uh, Superman, Cyborg Superman. He's got Super, Superboy Prime, and the third one that he has is the Anti Monitor, who apparently he became aware of when he was on Quard, which is in the Antimatter universe. So, kind of makes sense. Never really put it together before that, but it makes a lot of sense. Now. In the aftermath, in you know the Sinestro Corps War, the whole war, you have things like uh, the um, the city uh, of Ranks, which is like a sentient city um, in the Sinestro Corps War. You have the Children of the White Lobe, all things that were prophesized in the Blackest Night way back when in uh, Tigers with Abinsar, and um, they're attacking Mogo. Um, that's happening in this universe. Meanwhile, in the Antimatter universe, you have Hal Jordan with uh, a bunch of other Green Lanterns that are that trying to uh, well, they're trying to rescue Ion and Kyle and get out of the Antimatter universe. And uh, this is where we also get that you know that scene where Hal Jordan tries to wield the Sinestro rings. And uh, doesn't have a good time of it. He doesn't do a very good job of it. Um, they're eventually able to pull Parallax out of Kyle. Um, Ion ends up going into Sodom Yat in this. 
he becomes the new Ion. Um, the Earth Lanterns finally make it back to the main universe. There's a giant showdown on uh, Earth where a Guardian... Well, no, let's say. So in the final one, you have uh, the Antimonitor, the you have... Cyborg Superman. Cyborg Superman ends up being incinerated, so and he's thankful that for that. Hal Jordan and Sinestro are having like a fist fight across, across Coast City. The people of Coast City are like shining green lights out their window to uh, kind of inspire the Green Lanterns against the Sinestro Corps war because it all comes down in Coast City, of course. And um, Superboy Prime ends up destroying the Anti-Monitor and throwing him into space where he lands on uh, Riot. And um, then uh, he, like, uh, you know, the Superboy Prime is trying to take out a Guardian. The Guardian ends up dying, and uh, in his death, the energy that's released ends up killing Superboy Prime, or so we think. Um... And, uh, you know, Green Lanterns end up winning. They, you know, beat Sinestro. And uh, the, the, the key thing here was that this whole war, um, one of Sinestro's goals was because, like, he had seen the Green Lanterns and he knew that they, you know, they weren't going to be able to, you know, do what was necessary. And that's why he took on fear. And... You know, at the end of the day, the Guardians ended up having to change one of the, the laws in the Book of Oa to allow, um, you know, the Green Lanterns to actually, you know, kill enemies. So, you know, Sinestro loses, but he also wins in a way because that was one of the things that he was, you know, trying to get about anyway. Um, also, in the final, uh, the final chapter, we finally get the reveal of all the other cores that are to come, um, you know, all the colors. Well, all the colors. We don't know about white and black yet, but, uh, well, we know about black by, because of the last page. Um, and then, Which is uh, Black is Night. The, right? the what battery? Oh, well, the black battery pops up. Ah, but just bef- before that, uh, you see uh, Ganthet and Sage, who have been uh, kicked out of the uh, you know the Guardian Circle? They go off and uh, they create the very first Blue Lantern ring. So there was a lot of stuff that happened, and like I'm just covering like some of the really big points. Um, I missed a lot of stuff, which I'm sure the guys now are going to school me on. But like yeah, this at the time was uh, a pretty epic story. This is what got me reading Green Lantern. Yeah, we might as well. Uh, Corwin's a huge Sinestro fan, and this is one of your favorite storylines. What's period, right? Oh, definitely. So why don't you talk definitely. about it a little bit? What, what what makes it your favorite? Well, just from the beginning, you get everything from Sinestro's point of view. I mean, you get his uh, <clears throat> his motivation, his drive. I mean... From the very beginning of the issue, he tells his story of how he was stripped and how the universe needs to change. And his goal is not necessarily a bad one. He wants to fix you know, fix the universe, make it a better place. 
but you know according to him the guardians have failed they've been doing it for so long and they haven't gotten far enough so he thinks he's the better person to do it and he starts it off by creating his own basically his own core you know he leads his own group to do it yep. and the last fight I, I love the last issue with the last fight because he not only takes on Hal but he takes on Hal and Kyle at the same time his favorite person in the whole world Kyle Rayner <laughs> he's like <laughs> bring it Ali both of you. yeah Ali Rat <laughs> doesn't help that he looks like Jafar street rat <laughs> um yep. Well, like, you know, right at the beginning of uh, the special, in the beginning, you know, when when Sinestro is like trying to light up the ring, like you see that Green Lantern symbol on his back that Kyle burned into him. The okay, the the uh, Green Lantern number nine. When when did this uh, the 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 first special come out? Green Lantern what? Green Lantern number uh, Green Lantern number nine with uh, Batman. Uh, well, was it Batman Green Lantern? No, that was. Oh. When, when did yeah. when did when did uh, Batman when was he try when was he recruited or attempted? Nineteen, seventeen, um, eighteen, nineteen, something like that. Okay. I have to run to the bookshelf. Now, I'm, uh, the reason I'm asking is because at what point did Sinestro start setting up his core? Because there's a there's a moment in here where uh, Arkillo talks to Bedovian via the ring and says it's time. And it's, it's, you see, it, Bedovian's not being recruited at that point. He already has a ring. You see it from as early as issue seven. I would say probably it might be even earlier than that because the ring start recruiting people. Hold on. Well, the ring recu- it re- recruits Batman in seventeen. Okay. Is it really that far? Definitely. Well, I'm I'm looking at 17 now. You're looking at it. Okay. Yeah. And he already and he had already recruited Arkilla by this point, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember that, but because uh, Arkilla was uh, the first one, because Sinestro went to Arkilla himself. So I'm a, I thought it was before the bat before. Um, oh, you, Amon you know, is also 17. I was thinking about when Batman put on the Green Lantern ring. That was in nine. That was in nine. Oh yeah, yeah. It says volume four number. T- I'm looking at Arkillo's reference, and it says something about volume four number ten. All right, ten. I got it open. So, so, all depends when they started with those, like the, almost their tales of the Sinestro Corps stuff in the back. And the final, the final issue of Ion had the rings flying around, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, in in issue ten, we do see Arkillo get his ring. The ring comes to him. Okay. No Sinestro, though. Oh, but. yes. Yeah, but welcome to the Sinestro Corps. It's Sinestro <laughs> Corps. And something yeah. else that I wanted to point out, too, before, uh, <clears throat> right before the Sinestro Corps War, you actually see a podium. Let me see. I think it's Green Lantern number 19. 20. It's the it end 20? of the Star see- Sapphire. Okay, yeah, you see the lights with all the uh, the different colors. Not all the different colors, just oh, right. The main, the main. But the ones we know G-Div. about at the time. I thought it was just the ones we knew at the time. I don't have it in front yeah, of me. We see six. Number. We see six podiums, or seven podiums, and we've got three colors on it. You're talking about on Zamora, oh, okay. right? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's four color, four different podiums that are empty. So they hinted. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Well. 
what you call it, like, um, oh, like not, not not that long ago, I was looking back, and if you go back to Rebirth, it was probably when we did the Rebirth episode, uh, there's a lot of mentions of the emotions, like, specifically the emotions, and, mm-hmm. you know, heavy implications of what was to come. Well, Ganthet right out says it. I mean, as far as subtle references, yeah, but there's one point specifically towards the end where Ganthet basically flat out says it. Well, it's not even at the end. It's in it's in it's in the one shot. In the one shot, he and he and Cyborg Superman are talking, and they and they literally and they're and they're just and they're exchanged. They mention all the other cores of I mean all the other part of the emotion, all the cores of the spectrum. Because Cyborg Superman says to him, you know, without you know without life there will be no fear, or avarice or hate. And Ganthet replies, without life there is also no hope or compassion. Well, we're talking about rebirth. In re- in rebirth. Oh, you're fine. okay. Yeah, Gan- Ganthet flat out said, mentions almost almost word for word mentions the emotional spectrum. <clears throat> and there's there's uh, there's Sinestro core symbols all over that book too. Oh yeah. There was, I mean, I, I might be skipping. Uh, you know, I, I have a feeling we'll kind of be playing like hopscotch all around this this storyline. But there was there was one of the things that uh, happened in this book that we we talked about on the show for a long time. What Hal's father said when when Hal got the the whole vision of his father and was being tapped by fear. Remember that? Yeah. Do we did we ever figure out what he actually said? Mm-mm. No. Nope. Okay. We were never told. No, and I, I think uh, it was the end of the first Lantern story where. He's he talks to his father. I think so. in the dead zone. I th- I think so. I think the only payoff we got with Hal though was what question he was going to ask Sinestro. Sinestro. Yeah, but Hal says something like he re- he makes a reference to the fact that it doesn't really matter what his father said because he knew basically he would basically he he wouldn't have been afraid, right? Or something. He said something to he says something to that effect. So. He, it's almost like Hal making peace with the fact that it doesn't really matter what you know, whatever you know, his last words were, you know, at the end of the day, to him anyway. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, what you go? So now you have the Sinestro Core War, and I guess like the way to really look at this is when when Johns took over Green Lantern with Rebirth, mm-hmm. like he he very clearly had a plan. Like at least up until Blackest Night. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, so Sinestro Core War is probably like the second act in a in a three act, you know, kind of epic. Well, I would I would say the stuff between Sinestro Core War and uh, Blackest Night are kind of like an act or like half of an act to themselves, just because of the introduction of the Blue Lanterns and the Red Lanterns and Larflees and all that stuff. Yeah, but you know you have to you, you have to take Rebirth as the first act. Yeah, and I think I think Johns has kind of mentioned that. I think he kind of mentioned that in a way that even though it it kind of got stretched out a little when we did when he got to like you know the first Lantern thing too about how they kind of almost made that how everything was tied around the second Rebirth. Even though actually you know what the the, the title of the Sinestro Corps one shot mentions what second Rebirth, right? Mm-hmm. That the title is isn't the title. Of, the second rebirth or second rebirth. Well, Sinestro, yeah. you know, he, he does yeah, mention that this is our rebirth. Right, and it's called the second rebirth. But I think John's reference to the fact that they basically it was almost like a three, 
like a three act structure and rebirth i think was the first and estracor was the second and blackest night was the third yeah which is which is maybe why afterwards he started running out of steam (laughs) yeah yeah like you could tell that like for a long time he had been setting up the guardians you know to take a fall Mm -hmm. you know so it's almost like after blackest night it's like okay well i guess i should probably uh close up some mysteries and start taking them out or start setting them up to be taken out well, it, it didn't help that it went from two books to four. You know, I'm looking at this Sinestro core where and it's focused structure with just two books. It was, you know, it was perfect. And when you added two other books, you're basically stretching stretching the line when they couldn't really keep the quality going. Well, I, I think stretching the line, you know, with the different books, like, because if, if you look at it right now, you have New Guard, New Guardians, and Red Lanterns are the good books. You know, like in, in currently, those are the two that are telling the good stories. You know, instead of Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. So I mean, like to me, like that shows me that those books can stand on their own. The problem was that because they had these four books. They did, you know, they felt that it was necessary to include them all in the crossover when, you know, like you could have told the first, you know, like the first Lantern or, uh, you know, War of the Green Lantern Corps. And then those books, you know, if they had just been on their own doing their own thing and didn't get dragged in, you know, well, for one thing, they might have actually had a chance to develop their stories a little bit better. You know, but then also the actual stories would be a little bit shorter and they, you know, it wouldn't be drawn out in that respect. But I think four books is not necessarily a detriment, but four books that you feel the need to cross over everything all the time with, that's where the issue arises. Wasn't the success of Sinestro Corps War not so much the crossover itself, but the fact that it was basically like a stealth release like they didn't hype it up no. too extreme at all no the fact was that it was a it was a very contained epic i like you know it it crosses over between green lantern and green lantern core but the stories are like they're actually separate enough that you could conceivably read one or the other you know, and still get a story out of it. But by reading them both, you know, because everybody was reading them both, you know, you get this uh, this really great story, and it just crossed over with these two books. This is actually, like, this, this particular storyline probably had a tremendous amount to do with later on DC doing their, their micro-crossovers. Because if you remember, like, Basically, this was something that had rarely ever, if ever, done. I am sure it was done, but it was not done often. And it was never done like this well. The Sinestro Corps War, doing a crossover with just two books, you know, and doing it this well, you know, like, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, we're crossing Superman over with, uh, I don't know, Justice League Dark or something like that for three issues, you know, like... When we had that that stupid crossover with like Stormwatch and Red Lanterns and things like that, 
Like that stuff was all awful. But the idea behind it, you know, to do like miniature, you know, crossovers like that, you know, like I think that they saw the success of this and they wanted to try and recapture it. Well, I think kind of where, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think kind of where, part of what Chad, I think what I assume Chad was talking about is correct from the point of view that it certainly wasn't, this was, wasn't being as heavily hyped and heavily promoted, let's say, as obviously the countdown to Blackest Night was. Right. That it would, the success of Sinestro Corps, as far as the fact that it, it stre- the fact that it brought in a bigger audience than they kind of suspected, and the fact that it kind of brought it, that yes, in a way it was not 100% surprising, especially as you got to the end when it, when it related to Earth and you know Superman and all. They had a lot of a lot of other characters that came in towards the end when the battle shifted to Earth, but it just had more of a kind of universal appeal, I think, than probably they originally thought, or certainly based on the hype level and the promotion level that they expected it to have. So it kind of oh. helped. Yeah, I got what? you, I see. Yeah. So you're, you're saying that because they didn't hype it up, expectations were not overly, you know, stretched, you know, so that when it was good, everybody was like, oh, well, that was really good, you know, and it wasn't overhyped. I think so. I think the fact that, yeah, it's not like, there wasn't a huge build. There wasn't a huge build up for it. It wasn't like, basically, what we got at the end. You know, at the end of Sinestro Core War, basically, was they letting you know that you. It was a. It was an after credit scene letting you know that two years down the road you're going to have this big event and basically what it was going to be about already. That Sinestro Core War wasn't as heavily promoted. It was. You kind of knew if you were a regular Green Lantern reader that something like this was going to happen since you saw Sinestro putting the. Not putting the band back together, but putting a band together. That that it well, was just. A, go ahead, check. Go ahead, well, Corin. Well, would you call Black Aesthetic success? The event itself. Yeah. <laughs> and the miniseries. Us, absolutely. Did you, did, did you say the miniseries itself? Yeah, the miniseries itself. I would say it's a success, but I it, but it probably peaked before the end of it. I would say I think the bill. I think the build up to Blackest Night was a huge success. I think the first few issues of the actual miniseries were a huge success. I actually liked most of the issues, certainly the Green Lantern issues of Blackest Night. I kind of there seemed to just based on reading what people were saying at the time. I think the first real uh, noticeable signs of discontent maybe with Jeff Johns started popping up towards the end of Blackest Night based on what I remember reading. I liked Blackest Night, but of course the hype for Blackest Night was so big yes, that it was going to be hard to meet to, to reach uh, to uh, meet everybody's expectations. I would say overall it was a success because it, when we and when we do the Johns retrospective I'll go into it more. But I think everything from Sinestro Core War through at least the build up if not the actual finale of Blackest Night was like the pinnacle of Jeff Johns and the probably the golden age of Jeff Johns and everything after that, it kind of dropped off and everything else was good and building up to it. But I think, so I think it was a success. I think, and I, and, and I assume you do or not sure. Oh yeah, I definitely do. And you know, the thing is they did hype the hell out of it too. So, you know, expectations were set high. I think it delivered. I mean, I think that was the last greatest crossover that DC had event period. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was really good, and it was really, really good to see not just not just how, but and not just the Green Lantern Corps, but 
you know, the whole emotional spectrum that, that Johns had invested so much effort in, into building. And I know some people out there are not going to like me saying that because a lot of people just have this mad, crazy hate for the emotional spectrum. <laughs> but I think that the putting, putting those, putting the lanterns, you know, and making what happens to them so important to the entire DC universe was one of the best things about the, the Jeff Johns run that it was so making, that's what made Green Lantern so relevant and helped make him so, so popular. So anything that does that again is, you know, with, with the announcement of the, the the God's Head thing with the new gods, even though, of course, the new gods are probably not the best choice of people to throw in if you're looking for popularity or interest. But just the idea that possibly, you know, the emotional spectrum and Green Lantern once again are going to be like the center of something really that could affect the DC universe as a whole. I'm kind of that's a plus. Yeah. yeah. Blackest Night was absolutely like a success in terms of how much, how many comics they sold and how much money they made. Uh, and then, you know, when you look at it from the point of view that it crossed over with a lot of superheroes across the DC universe, but not like in most of the actual books. Like they had like the miniseries so that if you wanted to avoid Blackest Night, you know, and still read Superman, you could. You know, like stuff like that, I think, is um, somewhat reader friendly. You know, and then, but then, really, if you didn't want to read any of that stuff, then Blackest Night and like Green Lantern were, you know, I, oh, I would say enough. Did. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. enough. I I will say that from the beginning of Blackest Night to the end of Blackest Night, I think you have a very good story. I think. The stuff that spun out of Blackest Night was like, oh, let me put it to you this way. With Sinestro Core War, the stuff that spun out of Sinestro Core War was amazing. You know, like you had so many like concepts and story ideas to play with now. I mean, he created, you know, the, the rest of the emotional spectrum in like, you know, in one stroke, you know, and we got it slowly over time, but we knew that it was coming, you know, and you had the black lantern battery and, you know, that led to, um, what do you call it? Like, you know, the the little pieces of people going to investigate and, you know, stuff like that. There was so much like rich material that came out of the Sinestro core war. Whereas with blackest night, I feel like, you know, very, very little, you know, useful, you know, story ideas came out of Blackest Night. You know, you had... Brightest Day! You had a bunch of heroes, you know, come back to life. And, you know, okay, all those heroes went and, you know, got to do something. You know, they went their own way. You had, you know, the whole Dead Man concept in Brightest Day, which was interesting and definitely an interesting journey. Well, Aquaman would probably be the the breakout success and spinoff of Blackest Night. As far as him, his popularity gaining enough to where he stars in Brightest Day and then the New 52 reboots and he gets his own title. I don't think he would have gotten his own title if people weren't so excited about seeing a Black Lantern Aquaman in Blackest Night and then seeing that story unfold in Brightest Day. True, but they but Jeff Johns kind of took it upon himself to try to re, to kind of re, re to rehabilitate Aquaman, and if Jeff Johns wasn't writing Aquaman, he wouldn't have been nearly as popular. 
Yeah. So, so, and but Brightest Day, there were some things I liked about Brightest Day, and like the, where they were going with Swamp Thing could have been cool. But of course, unfortunately, the whole friggin' Flashpoint and the reboot into the into the new Fifty Two. Uh, pretty much almost all of Black. So much of Brightest Day got wiped out. Yeah, and the relevance of it. I mean, so we don't really and don't entirely know if there could have been some r- relatively Im- important or truly relevant you know, uh, results from uh, from Brightest Day. But it and I did like the Green Lantern stories from Brightest Day. I mean, I liked uh, figuring you know whether it was going to be Krona, whether it was going to be Appa, you know, all these you know who it was going to be, and I kind of liked the build up. Towards that, but but you know, War of the Green Lanterns kind of like sabotage, you know, shot that in the foot a little. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But yes, to Jim's point is Jim's basic point is one hundred percent accurate. That after Sinestro Corps, there was a lot of there were a lot of questions, things you didn't know how they were where the pieces were going to fall, how the what the puzzle was going to look like, and but yet they, you kind of knew what kind of what the end game was, where they were building because they tell you. They already tell you. Here's another. Here's the big event in two years that's coming, and you know. So you just got had to, you had to wait to see how the pieces fell into place, and where the information you've already gotten, you know, where it all fits in there, and how it affects it or doesn't. Well, At what I really of, love. Oh, go ahead. Again, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Corey. I, I was going to say what I really loved is post Sinestro Corps, where both books were really intertwined. I mean, Johns and Tomasi really worked together. And both books really just seemed like one. You really felt the real family between the two books. That's true. Yeah, but without like actually crossing over. Crossing over, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you had, that's where we got the whole Mother Mercy story, uh, and and Miri the Star Sapphire. Yep. Ash. Like like that was like, you know. That was one of the best stories that's ever come out of Green Lantern Corps. And of course, uh, then you had you know you, you had Rage of the Red Lanterns, oh, which was which was you know the, the only highlight of uh, Final Crisis. Final Crisis. Yes, I meant and I meant the whole storyline, not just the one shot. But you were correct. Final Crisis was a friggin' disaster. But uh, yeah. yeah, but the the I. But the Rage of the Red Lanterns was such an—I mean, it was a good storyline onto itself. But you know, but you had the Red Lantern Corps, you had the, the in, you had the intro of the Red Lantern Corps, you had the Blue Lantern Corps, you know, you had the oh, sins of the was, Star Sapphires. That's true too. In Corps, well, that's Mary. You mentioned that. Yep, Mary. Larfleet's Agent Orange. Yep, that yeah. was and that was a really good storyline too. Back when Larfleet's was incredibly not. If he wasn't scary, he was he was intimidating. Would you say that this Cribs. would you say that this is the start of the climb for Green Lantern? I mean, I know that John's coming on and doing the whole rebirth thing was good and you know, it got people reinvigorated and interested, but it wasn't until this hit and was so popular that then people started paying more attention to it and Sinestro Corps more than Rebirth is the the kind of the apex of the start of the climb for people being yes. interested. Yes. This is the story, yes. Oh, yeah. I wasn't reading DC before this. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah, I don't, this, think, I don't think there's also, any... The gauge of... Oh, this also started the shirts. That's yep. true. Yeah, you know, once, like, once the reveal. Yeah, once the reveal came out about the other cores. And, and even and even our old friend, Aroba Silver, they came out with their first uh, rings of the other cores. Rel- relatively quickly, I think, after uh, after the 
other cores were revealed in this issue. Issue twenty five in the Grain Lands in twenty five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once once twenty five hit, like, you know, the just like the merchandising, you know, exploded. Not so much from D C because, you know, they're slow to capitalize. But the, at least with the T shirts, you know, between that, between people wanting to find out, you know, about the different cores, the you know, like when you have seven different cores, each one dedicated to a different emotion. I mean, like, we all feel emotions, and every one of us, you know, tends to feel one more than another. So, like, now all of a sudden you have a book that's speaking to you personally, you know, or, you know, the the merchandise alone, you know, it's just, this is absolutely where, you know, Green Lantern just exploded in popularity. And, and Corwin, I know we got your side of why you like this, but maybe more specifically, you said this is where you started reading DC. Period. What was the hype? What was the, what 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 were people saying that made you go? Oh, I guess I'll check it out. Because it had to have been more of this is cool. Read this. Uh, it was Green Lantern twenty five, <clears throat> the whole prophecy and the War of Light <clears throat> and all the colors that really caught my interest. Plus, you have those two, you know, you have those two two-page spreads back to back, which are, oh, which are pretty impressive. <laughs> when you see all the batteries and you see the, the first hints, and then you have the War of Light battle in the in the centerpiece of the issue. Oh, I've got yeah. prints of those. Yep, I do too. <laughs> yeah, those are amazing. And this is where yeah, well, a lot of the artists started being really heavily showcased, right? With, I mean, they they were there before, but as far as showing their chops, like Yvonne Hayes and, and uh, Ethan Van Skyver. I mean, is Van Skyver doing the Sinestro core as far as just designing various creatures? That mm-hmm. That's pretty epic, the way those the way they look. Yeah. Um, yeah, what you call it? Well, the other thing, like, if, if people didn't get, you know, connected by uh, Green Lantern 25, the Sinestro Corps War special, like, like I said, like that was voted like you know, one of the like that was voted the best comic by like so many. I think I think CGS might have you know had it as their best of the year. the The issue was so good, and you know, like for one thing, they they pulled in a Superman villain. They pulled in Cyborg Superman. They pulled in. Uh, what do you call it? Um, time monitor. Yeah, that was such a huge reveal at the time. I mean, that was yeah, like that was like the oh shit moment. And I think this this issue actually had like a couple of oh shit moments. Yeah, that yeah, that's what I was gonna touch touch upon at some point because to me this is this prop to me anyway. I think this is Jeff Johns' single best issue. The one shot was the single best issue that he. It's arguably anyway, at least to me, it is. The single best issue he ever did during his run as Green Lantern, and I, and I like what he did on Rebirth for the most part too, but this issue for, for that reason, there are so many things in the one shot that were, I mean, you get as we kind of alluded to earlier in in the episode, you have the reveal that Ion is in Kyle, that Ion is the entity inside of Kyle, that that Parallax isn't just by himself basically, that you have you have you have that reveal, you have the Kind of the shocking moment when you know Kyle is infected, and is infected by Parallax. You know, you do have that. You do have you know the the reveal of that the Anti Monitor you know is, is the guardian of the of the Sinestro Corps. 
that I mean that one came out of complete left field at the time. He may not have been 100% healed as as you get constant re- not constant but you get many references to throughout the one shots and everything and like the Superboy Prime one and everything that he wasn't 100% back to back to snuff yet, which is part of the reason why Superboy Prime was able to you know break through his armor and take him out also and also how uh, Necron was able to capture him in the Black Battery. But there's just a you know there's the even though at the time we didn't see it all, again, there were hints like like we mentioned before in even in Rebirth about the spectrum. But there are so many direct re- – you know, there's a direct reference to the emotional spectrum in like in the one shot about the, uh, the cold wave across the emotional spectrum. The fact that, like I mentioned, all the other cores are mentioned by name. Even though we don't know their cores yet, they are – you know, now we look back and go, ah, I mean, you know. So there's just so – there's just so many things in this one – in this one issue, and just even the way they kind of tease at the Ion Kyle reveal, the idea that oh, like when the ring is the Sinestro Corps ring is going, like Ion has regained consciousness, but it's irrelevant because Kyle Rayner must be delivered. The first kind of hint that they're not one and the same. Just like later on in another issue, when the Guardians make clear that you're to the Lost Lanterns that your goal is to bring back Ion, not to really to bring back Kyle. If you given the choice. If they're not together anymore, bring back Ion. We don't really <laughs> care much about Kyle. <laughs> so, yeah, there's just so much stuff in this one. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the storyline, too, we could still talk. But about this one issue, I think this might be the most perfect, or the closest thing to perfect, you know, Jeff Johns did during his entire run. Well, let's, you know, the, the one thing is that with this issue, you do get, like, a perfect recap and introduction to Green Lantern. So you could never have picked up a Green Lantern comic before, or even just seen him on the Justice League, you know, the cartoon, and read this, and you would get the background that you need. Mm -hmm. That works as a pro and a con. Because if you already knew everything, then, you know, it's kind of, you know, you kind of get bogged down with all that stuff. So I would say if you're a new reader, then... The Sinestro Core War special is the best. Like that's the best issue in, Green, in uh, Jeff Johns's run. If you are familiar enough with Green Lantern that you don't need that, then I think Green Lantern Twenty Five is the best issue. But they're both good because because even in Green Lantern Twenty Five, there's a lot of even besides that reveal of the emotional spectrum and the fact that Ganthet and Say go off at the end. You know you have you know you have one guardian sacrificing themselves to basically you know send superboy prime off into the multiverse or wherever you have the other guardian get fighting you know uh, the anti monitor who is going to become scar because she basically dies even though we don't know it at the time um yeah, well, the, 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 no. the Guardians fighting Antimatter in, in the first place because they they make right. they make a reference to the fact that in crisis they were out of the picture but now you know now now we're here <laughs> yep let me let me ask when 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 Sinestro rips Ion out of Kyle, did any? I mean, again, because I, I keep reading, I wasn't reading at the time. Did anybody else think how the hell does Sinestro know this? No, not no. at all. Okay. You you would figure if anybody's gonna know, well, yeah, then it would be the one the guy that talks to Parallax. I guess that's true too. And besides, you have to. This is, this is the thing that kind of gets interesting when you, if you really, again, you go back and you try to put the pieces together to some of these things because, you know, we, 
Jeff Johns has done, obviously we all know that he's done retcons and some of them make sense and some of them. So the question really becomes, where was Ion to begin with? Where was Ion all along before Kyle first got, you know, before Kyle first got him? Was he supposed, was he like in the green power battery before, before Hal, you know, absorbed it? And then he kind of like flew off somewhere or, I mean, where, where was he before then? So then, but it's, but Sinestro would probably, in general, Sinestro would probably know about it, yes, just from his conversations with Parallax, because obviously he and Parallax had already become best buds when they were both trapped inside the Green Lantern Central Power Battery alone. <laughs> it's like, listen, if you ever get out, be on the lookout for my brother. Well, <laughs> one, one of the one of the biggest things, well, not, I mean, it's a huge storyline. There are tons of big things, but one of the big things is the reveal that essentially Sinestro killed Kyle's mother. Yes. That, that was another. That was another the sh- relatively shocking moment because that just wears Kyle down enough where he's susceptible to parallax. Yeah. Yeah. The why the why he has any power as parallax is another story altogether. <laughs> he has no. He doesn't have a ring. He has nothing. He's powerless. So why would he have? Why would he even be able to make constructs? He has no because green parallax, power at all. Well, that's because he's like completely broken down. So it's it's purely Parallax using him as a host. Right, but he has no ties to green energy at the time. Well, yeah, like, he should not have been in a green costume. Right, because Parallax... kind of constructs. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree yeah, with that. Because, because they kind of... And even though, to be fair, this is, again, one of those things that's kind of evolved... And I think they kind of touched upon it a little, maybe in the in like the scripting, the original like script treatment for Rebirth and stuff too. But the idea that Parallax doesn't—I mean, he corrupts you, but he basically uses your own power. So if you don't have a lot of power, he's not going to make. He's not going to. He might. He might like uh, reinforce some of your motives and or your, for lack of a better way of describing it, in a way you will to do something bad. But the reality is, you know, if you don't have power, he's not. He doesn't give you the power. So I mean, uh, Hal was Hal was powerful with Parallax because he'd absorbed the friggin' central power battery, and because he and then and he took the knowledge from the Guardians with it. That's why he was able to do what he did, like <laughs> not because he just he had par- just because he had Parallax in him. So Kyle had nothing at the time. He had, didn't have his ring on. He didn't have any green energy left. So the mere fact that he was able to you know basically function as a even as a Green Lantern possessed by Parallax, let alone you know on a, on a level. That was something that even at the even when it was going on, that didn't kind of make any sense to me. But unless, unless it was the fact that since Jade had given him her power back, which enabled him to take on Ion, maybe when Ion left him, he still had that trace amount of power, and Parallax amplified it. It's the closest because thing. Because I, to- I, I definitely think that Parallax, you know is providing some power one way or another. And especially if if Parallax is the one just controlling, because all we've seen before this is Hal Jordan, who was fighting it, and he had not given complete control over to Parallax. Yeah, the entities definitely provide power. Of, yeah. of what, no, no, matter, no matter how it's manifested, it's absolutely, ma- they, they do... Because I mean, yeah, I suppose, yeah, right. But most of when you think about it, all the thing that makes Parallax different is the fact that basically, all all the other entities seem to magnify the same the emotion of, that they represent, and they seem to channel that own and that same energy, that same color, whether it's a Dara, whether it's the Butcher, uh, Predator, it doesn't matter. Parallax is the only one that seems to 
for the most part, gravitate towards the greens. Maybe because Maybe of the amount a corrupting of corrupting fact. Yeah, the amount of time he spent in the central power battery might have affected him. But true, but I don't know. It just seems it just with Hal it would make sense even when he was in Hal the second time because Hal still had his Green Lantern ring on that time. It just, I mean, uh, Jim's explanation is as good as any because they've never really given us one. I mean, it's magic. Yeah. <laughs> was was this storyline also the first time we heard about Mogo directing the rings, being the one who directs the rings? Because they they reference it in the storyline like it's a big like it's a big deal. Um, uh, I don't remember if it was this one or if they did that like earlier on in like uh, the you know the the beginning of the core. Because the amount of emphasis they place on it in ver- in several different places in the storyline makes me think it's the first time we've heard of it. Well, it could also just be the relevance. Yeah, of it. I, I mean that's true, but because of how important raising the raising the uh, the stakes in case anything happens, in case yeah. anything happens to Mogo. But I don't mean I I think Jim could be right. It could have been like when Hal like early on in the Green Lantern series when Hal went back to visit Kilowog, like on Oa. And all the rings have been are shooting out left and right, and that's when Hal just that's when Hal finds out for the first time that all the guardians, pretty much Ganthet has got all the guardians, he's gotten the band back together. <laughs> the guardians are now fully grown and functional again. It's not just Ganthet. <laughs> so, so it could have been possibly they might have been referenced in that issue. I have a panel from that issue somewhere. I just don't know if, it, if they actually mention. It. <clears throat> Even though we're giving a lot of credit. I was going to say, even though we're giving a lot of credit to Johns, I mean, Ethan Van Skyver on that Sinestro Corps special, I mean, he killed that art. That yeah. is some art is gorgeous in that book. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things about the power, like we were talking about with power, like with power parallax and anything, there's also several points in here where Sinestro breaks into a Green Lantern transmission. Like basically, you know, projects his own image through the Green Lantern ring. You know... You would think that that would not be possible, mm-hmm. but like for one thing, Sinestro at this point has used both rings, and you know they would call him the great. You know he was the greatest of all the Green Lanterns. You know, and now flash forward to now, where Kyle, you know, has you know using a green ring, he was able to uh, you know harness the emotions and contact the other you know the other new guardians across rings. Right. What I'm talking you know, so about I, for at the time this was coming out, that was probably a red flag to a couple of people. I don't think that they had really reinforced yet that you couldn't do that. Okay. So I, I think that's more like the thing where like when they started reinforcing it, somebody could have gone back and looked at this and said, Hey, wait a second. Yeah. All right. So for the event itself, what other things do we want to point out? Uh, let me flip through the special, finish that issue. Um, Ivan Rice as well. I think he's definitely an artist that had come into his own. Mm-hmm. And he definitely rates as one of my favorite artists right now. I mean, people make a big deal out of Jim Lee and stuff like that. But you put Ivan Rice on a book and I'm going to pay attention to it more than I would Jim Lee. Yeah, he's my favorite artist, period, right now. Everything he touches is basically gold. Like Billy Tan, Chad? Yvonne <laughs> Ice. <laughs> Yvonne Hayes. Yeah. Hayes. <laughs> there we go. Yvonne Drago. I, I, I will. I will give credit. Uh, who was was it? Gleason that was doing art for Core mm-hmm. at the time. I gotta give. I gotta give it up to Gleason though, because every like for instance, um, 
when the core was going up against ranks and 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 Sodom Yat blew up ranks and they're they're all torn and tattered and blood splattered and stuff. I mean that he made those action scenes just explode. The way everybody had tears on their uniform and looked beaten down. I mean it was really good. Yeah. Even the destruction in issue what issue was this? 14, I mean, the opening page is the Sinestro Corps in some kind of ship with a bunch of dead Green Lantern bodies all around it. I mean, <clears throat> he, yeah, Tomasi did some excellent art on this as well. Now, I vaguely remember something, and I, I guess I didn't read these issues close enough if it did happen in this, but wasn't there something somewhere said that Kyle could no longer host Ion because he had had Parallax in him. I think it was that. Yes. I don't think. Yeah, but was it in the series? I thought it was after. Was it in the one shot? Was it in like the Ion one shot when he goes to talk to Sodom yet? It might be. I'm looking at the Tales of the Core thing right now. And, and remember, Yad is part of the prophecy. He was supposed to be the super soldier, super Green Lantern as well. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So the Guardians always had it in their plans for him to receive Ion and. Because of just, his biology, it made him perfect as well. Right, just not as soon as, supposedly just not as soon as they ended up giving it to him. They kind of were forced to give it to him earlier than they wanted to. But they kind of hinted that too in the storyline too. It's like, don't don't you, like, don't you know this? You do know there's a Green Lantern named Sodom Yacht. It's like, really? It's like, <laughs> because they, since, they, since they talk about the prophecy, the Blackest Night prophecy so much, especially early on in like the one shot and everything, just about what it means and Back when Sodom Yacht was cool and did stuff. <laughs> and so our killer versus, versus Kilowog was pretty cool the first time. That's def- exactly where I was going to go next. Yeah. Go ahead, go for it. I just, re- yeah. I just remember when I was flipping through the second half of the storyline, it's like that's what I. That's kind of was a nice trip down memory lane too, because that's one of those things you knew you were building towards because Arkillo was essentially the Kilowog of the Sinestro Corps, so you knew there was going to have to be a one-on-one battle between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, uh, when when the when uh, Kyle's talking to the Guardians and that Ion thing, uh, what about Jade? What uh, what was all that about telling me her death helped make me Ion? Her death was unfortunate and unplanned. The energy she returned to you enabled you to serve as the temporary host for Ion. So evidently he wasn't able to be a host until the energy she returned to him were given to him. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that, but I thought that there was also something else that said that now he was like... Uh, Ineligible. <laughs> yeah, like they did say something like that. I just don't remember when it was, but they did. They did say that. They did say he was no longer. He was. But at least, at least as far as the Guardians were concerned, we don't know if this is like if Ion has a say in it. We don't know if that would be the case. But the Guardians make it clear from their point of view that he's that he's no longer be eligible, if you will, for lack of a better. Well, th- that's kind of how it was at the beginning, because even when the Sinestro Corps ring found Batman, it, it left him because. It, had, it sensed the presence that he used to have a Green Lantern ring, or he he wore a Green Lantern ring. Well, true, but it's not like Parallax didn't go into Kyle because Ion had been there first. Yeah, maybe it doesn't work the other way around. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing that didn't make any sense to me. You know, if that was the case. 
Or maybe the Guardians, Guardians just wouldn't allow it. <clears throat> maybe it's a trust thing too. Maybe simply it comes down to once once you've been once you've given into fear that that much and been that they wouldn't trust they wouldn't trust you again, or they trust your willpower enough. At least that's the one thing. A lot of, a lot of people try to talk, especially as the story uh, as the years went by about Jeff Johns being inconsistent about stuff, and then he was inconsistent about some things. But at least he was always consistent that he never he didn't have Hal host eye on. <laughs> then he had. Well, do you, you guys think that was an editorial thing? They, they they tweaked certain things, made him tweak certain things, or do you think he had pretty much had free reign? I think he had free reign, at least certainly as as time went on. I think I think he had free reign. I just think he just got he was his. I think his attention just got dragged into different areas, especially as his role in DC expanded. I think just like the Ten Laws of the New Guardians, which we only got a couple of, and then it never we never. <laughs> And then we never heard about we never heard about it again. Just like Hal's Blue Lantern ring, which is still floating away somewhere in space that somebody got. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there are things that he there's there are storylines that he began that that he never even he never came back to, and I don't necessarily think that it was editorial. I just think he when we we moved on to other things, or he was originally planning on going in one direction, and then he then he switched gears. It's possible they could have influenced him a little, maybe. Maybe Blackest Night or the setup for Blackest Night just was so relevant now to DC as a whole that maybe that even if it wasn't explicitly said, maybe he just kind of like veered off a little bit of his plans, and that's why like the rest of the New Guardians laws were never touched upon or we never found, you know, they were never revealed. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think at the beginning he had pretty much free reign because he was only you know really only in the Green Lantern universe. In fact, I think even with, with this, with the, the Sinestro Corps War, the only tie-in that wasn't in Green Lantern or Green Lantern Corps was in Blue Beetle. For yeah, I issue. remember that one too. I have it. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, everything was very condensed. Um, but actually, right after this, like, there was definitely something that was, uh, you know, editorially driven. The whole uh, the the Green Lantern, the Justice ones, the cannot think of who they are now. I've blocked them out. I hate them so much. The robots. Green Lantern. Oh yeah, the Alpha Lantern. The, the robot. Lantern. The Alpha Lantern. Yeah, yeah, the Alpha Lanterns. Oh. Yeah, that was all. That was editorial because uh, what you call it? Uh, Morris was it? Morrison. 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 Yeah, Grant mm-hmm. Morrison, like wanted to use those in, like, Final Crisis. Right. So he came bar- up with them. And then them. barely used them to begin with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then John's just kind of, like, stuck with them, you know? But well, I think that was Tomasi actually ran with them more than John's did. I was going to say, that was most, well, that was much more in core. The Alpha Lanterns were much more of a factor in core than, than, but still. I agree with you. As a whole, that was something that, yes, that may have been kind of forced on the Green Lantern universe as a, as a whole, maybe because of that, but yeah, they were yeah, they were then, pretty shitty. Then later on, you know, like with Blackest Night, like there there were definitely things that were thrown in here and there that you know it's not so much that it was you know DC saying you know trying to bind his hands, but they were just you know kind of like okay, I want you to now add this and now throw this in, you know, and I wonder how much control Johns actually had over. Which, you know, 
members of the DC universe were going to get, you know, the colored rings that they were going to get. You know, like things like that, I would wonder. I would still think he had a lot of a lot of say in it, though. I think because he was the architect of some, the architect of something that was already so successful in Sinestro Corps War. Also, because uh, you know, Infinite Crisis was was pretty well received, and he was kind of the architect of that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I I I'm not saying they didn't influence him or didn't kind of you want to give Superman this ring, right? Wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> that's that's tough. Probably I mean, there's no doubt. Probably. Yeah. Somebody must have done some things like that, but I don't necessarily know how much it really diverged from what his 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 original plan or concept was. But yeah, I still think, you know, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there that like later on, you know, like right now, like he had free reign to do anything that he wanted in the Green Lantern universe. Then later on, you know, Blackest Night and beyond. You know, as soon as, like, he started, like, touching other people's toys, basically, like, that's when he might have had, uh, you know, some more editorial influence. So, one of the biggest shifts in the story is, of course, the Ten Laws, and the first of which allowed lethal force for the Lanterns to use lethal force, which started turning the tide of the war, which then brought the Sinestro Corps to Earth when everybody thought they were going to Oa. And we get the big reveal, of course, you know, Superboy Prime or Superman Prime, Cyborg Superman. I mean, they brought the whole Sinestro Corps to Earth to throw down. Yeah. I don't think that Superboy Prime should have been able to take out the Anti-Monitor. Well, in his weakened state, maybe. I mean, because it, didn't the exact same thing happen with, like, Supergirl when, when Anti-Monitor was weakened in Crisis? He wasn't at full capacity. And, I mean, he... The, the sun had come up, and he was soaking in the rays, and then, bam. Uh, I don't know. I Well, I, I guess I kind of have issues with how powerful they chose to make Superboy Prime. Mm-hmm. Which goes like back, I assume, to at least Infinite Crisis, right? Because he pretty much beat the shit out of everybody in Infinite Crisis. <laughs> and, yeah. And Crisis, uh, Legion of Three Worlds, and Final Crisis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's like... The, the, the whole the whole the whole batch of it it's just like he shouldn't have been that powerful like I, I don't think Superboy prime should ever have been more powerful than Superman or um, Earth one Superman like Earth one Superman should really just have been like the most powerful Superman around like hands down mm-hmm. well my whole reasoning for getting moving the story along to that point was to get to the Sodom Yat Superboy fight because that was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole event. Yeah, he gets infected with lead, which affects him from then on, right? Yes, yeah. until now, because I don't think we, we have an explanation for that. <laughs> Brainiac 5 came back and gave him yeah. anti-lead serum. That was a cool fight, though. That was a really good fight between him and Superboy Prom. But the now. first, but the first law. I mean, the the lethal force. The that that was critical, and that was obviously as part of Sinestro's plan all along. That he makes it clear that that be, before that point, the Green Lanterns were just basically an empty threat. He kind of says that I think later on when he's talking to. I think he's talking to Hal at one point. He directly says that that up Kyle. until this was. Is it the Kyle? Yeah, that was uh, when he was. Uh... 
just about to put parallax into him. And, you know, well, they're going mean, to come after you. So, like the Green Lanterns, that's an empty threat because they can't kill. That's true, but I thought he, I thought at some other point he references specifically making it crystal clear about after the fact that that was why he did it because but but now that now the universe will fear you. Oh now yeah, the universe, yeah. Now yeah, the universe yeah, will actually his, fear. Yeah, it's part of his whole plan. Yeah. But of course, it's one of those interesting things about Sinestro's character is like in a way he's trying to better the better the Green Lantern Corps, but what exactly does that what does that do for you if you're like. And I, and I always think of Arkillo because Arkillo is like this loyal puppy. It's like he's just he's so loyal to Sinestro, but he keeps getting screwed over because Sinestro just does whatever he wants, and Arkillo's left holding the bag. It's like, well, do you want me to do this? I and mean, this is what you told me to do. And then you, you turn around and you go do something different, and then you come back and I'm pissed for it, and then you have to you kick my ass, and then I go back and follow you again. <laughs> well, uh, it, it all goes back to Abensor and his belief in the prophecy of the Blackest Night, which is what Sinestro was trying to prevent or prepare for. Which is yeah, I agree with that. I'm just talking. I'm, th- I'm also thinking even now that that Sinestro oh, kind of just changes gears at the drop of a hat sometimes about what 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 the Sinestro Corps should be doing, and doing. and Arkillo is just like he's the most loyal. That was one of the most, and we'll get to this more like the. Well, actually, at this point, let's just say we would have already gotten to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that so so this is this is going to be redundant to you listeners now. <laughs> that the fact that when Sinestro is that kind of in Sinestro Core One, in this, in Sinestro One, when he's talking, when I mean, he's dealing with Arkillo for the first time, basically since for, uh, uh, Wrath of the First Lantern and everything, it's like he, he kind of feel he feels sorry for, in a way for Arkillo, and he understands why Arkillo's given him so much hell because Arkillo is the most loyal of his soldiers. So what he would kind of expect that to happen. <laughs> so it's it's just one of those catch twenty twos. It's like yeah, I know he's. I understand. I understand his point of view, but that still doesn't mean I'm not going to make him do what I want him to do. <laughs> the, so- the Sodom Yat and uh, and Prime Fighter is epic, w- without question. But one of my favorite fights is when Hal, Kyle, and Sinestro are all depowered and fighting on the rooftops. Oh yeah, that's just it's it's just there's no power. It's just punches and kicks and sh- and stuff being thrown. I think that's epic. But the only the only thing I didn't like about this story, and the only, and, and it, it has nothing to do. It's, I think it was just a creative decision because there's way too much happening in this storyline. But when the anti monitor shows up, I kind of feel like that should have been a bigger deal. You know what I mean? Not not necessarily yeah. to the Green Lanterns or anybody, but to like the rest of the heroes that are participating in this story. Like whether it be Superman or Batman or you know somebody shows up and it's just like holy crap. <laughs> like somebody rec- either recognizes him or, or something. But, didn't, but weren't most people not supposed point. to remember Infinite Crisis? I mean, not Infinite Crisis, Crisis. I thought there were only a few characters that were supposed to remember what happened in Crisis. Or was that a different one? They, they, Most of them remember that there was a crisis, mm-hmm. but only a handful remembered, like, a lot the of the details. specifics. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought it wasn't until infinite crisis that people started remembering because he mm. there's a because he did yeah they did use his armor or his body or whatever and and uh to try to power the de- the device yeah yeah but i don't know I, I i don't know if people remembered after that or if it was just the kind of thing where like now new changes had happened and they just you know again remember that there was a fight with Infinite Crisis, 
I don't know. I mean, we know. Because obviously, <laughs> obviously it's done because we would remember who we who he is and the importance of him. Plus, the characters, you know, the uh, Alex Luther-led group over there, uh, they all know who the Anti-Monitor is. You know, so it's kind of... I mean, yeah, but I just I just kind of feel like that it, you know, when he comes out of the ship and lands in the bay, you know, somebody, whoever, I don't give a crap who, should have been like, holy crap, Anti-Monitor is standing on Earth right now. Uh, this is uh, this is real bad. <laughs> well, John, well, it's either John or Guy. They re- they recognize him. Yeah. When they when they're all escaping from uh, Quard, and they realize the when they realize that the Anti Monitor is their is the guardian of the Sinestro Corps. Like he's their guardian. Oh, great. <laughs> I mean, he's 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 doing cool stuff. Like he's like, there's a point, and I'll just read it here. Time to tap into the raw positive matter of this world and those parallel worlds born from it. I will transform its energies into a wall of antimatter and ravage the surface of this planet. So he starts creating antimatter walls and stuff like that, so that's cool. But. Oh, wait, are the skies red? I need to double check that. <laughs> That'd be cool. Mm-mm. Yeah. Everything's white. Yeah. We also had the uh, Sinestro Sornic confrontation for the first time. It's not revealed till yes. later that later that he's her or she's his daughter, right? Yes, that's Correct. true. Okay. Yeah, it's not. Yep. The only the only thing that comes of this is just the fact that again part of Sinestro's plan is that that basically suppose that she quote unquote beats him, so Korrigor rallies around her. That she be that she's the new champion of Korrigor. But that was his purpose, right? That's what I said. Yeah. That's that was like <laughs> I said. That's the point. Um, so, but yeah, that was the first meeting between between those two before we knew how relevant that the characters <laughs> and how interrelated the characters were. <laughs> what about the brief break in action during the um, Superboy and uh, and Pro, uh, Superboy and Ion fight, where we get the backstory of the alien that comes to Daxum? Which is kind of cool because they still re- they still referenced. I mean, that's some- that's something they didn't throw away. That's something that Sotomayor kind of referenced again mm-hmm. at some point. It was a, it yeah. was a defining moment for him, definitely. Yeah, yeah since the Daxamites are so narrow-minded and xenophobic. Yeah, that w- you can ima- you can just imagine how traumatic that how traumatic that would be in general. What if? It- what if, what if it wasn't even a sentient being? What if it was just like a dog or something that you found, or a pet, or something that you took care of and you and you nursed back to health, and you loved it and it loved, and you had this bond with it, and then some somebody who you really care about just finds it and just kills it. <laughs> I mean, jeez, I mean, it's it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and puts it in your bedroom. <laughs> Let this be a lesson to you. Oi. The whole Hank Henshaw thing, where the Manhunters find him later and revive him. Yeah, so sad. With oh, a tear yeah. in his eyes all the time. Yeah. I want to die, but yet... That's one of the things I actually did like when, when he was talking to the Anti-Monitor. When yeah. He had the, when he had the Hank Henshaw Anti-Monitor moments when they're t- were having their conversation about their plans and the Anti-Monitor kind of basically reaff- reaffirms his pledge that basically when everything's said and done, I'll do what the, everybody else couldn't do is I'll kill you. And he goes, thank you. <laughs> Uh, how much time did you guys spend poring over the uh, the War of Light page and the uh, the page before it, just like looking for like clues and stuff like that <laughs> that was going to happen? Lots. Spent a lot at the time. I mean, even though some again, going back to the Jeff Johns uh, kind of like changing gears in midstream, there were some things about 
what he shows you that obviously never really came to fruition or 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 he changed them like the like the human hands clutching the orange battery i figured that was how eh, but it could have been but based on the description you wouldn't think it would be hmm. it talks about it, the, the light will be discovered and manipulated by a being whose greed knows no bounds now obviously the description now we know will fit Larflees, but based on but why would they show a why would they show a fate like a human who you can't see who it is hold, you know holding the battery when you kind of they it just seemed odd to me. It seemed like that may not have been just like when they showed the first lantern for the first time, and, that, and they obviously completely changed what his design looked like relatively shortly thereafter. It kind of makes you wonder if he had it, if he entirely knew what he wanted to do with uh, with the orange lanterns at the time. But you're right. I, it, maybe it it could have been Hal. Yeah, I mean, it could be. It, it could be like because they're they're showing like. Um, you know, like look what's happening. It's like uh, like a timeline of what's going to happen. You know, look further now now to the near future. You know, and you see the Red Lantern power battery. You know, which is going to get created in like an issue or two or something like that. And then you know you have the human hands around the power battery, which also happens. You know, in like a storyline or two. You know, when Hal you know ends up taking it. Although, I mean, I will be honest, like, I, you know, you see human hands and nobody, you know, nobody thinks that it's going to be Hal Jordan. At the time, if you look at the eyes, I thought that maybe they were going to bring back Extant for this. I I actually thought it was going to be Superboy Prime at the time. I thought it was going to be Superboy Prime since yeah. he's so greedy about getting his world, about getting his world, his universe back that I thought that's who it was that was going to be I feel like they probably would have done red eyes or like at least uh, like the, the heat vision you know like heat red heat coming off of the eyes or something like that they would well that's true this. but that might have been too much of a giveaway that's true it, and it is kind of fun that yeah they show mysterious person here for the orange lantern but when you get the splash page that you kind of see Larflees and a bunch of or, other orange lanterns and they all yeah. look like constructs, including Larflees. Including Larflees, yeah. Yeah. And is this supposed to be a. That's Atrocitus and St. Walker. It's St. Walker on the bottom, on the left. It is definitely yeah. Atrocitus. Mm-hmm. You see Monk. Is that is that supposed to be Carol up there? I don't know. In between the two blue chicks? Doesn't look like Carol, though. The color is wrong. Did we ever get that red lantern above them? That female red lantern with the scissors? No. To be honest, we never got the War of Light, really. No, we never, we never really did. Not like this. No. Not every core for itself against one another, kind of a fight. Or, or even, or even fifty-fifty. Yeah. Even just half the cores, you. Because they could have done something interesting with that too, with because the alliances could not be what you think they would be. To be honest, that's one of my big disappointments with Jeff, the Jeff Johns run was not getting a War of Light. Not like this. I kept waiting. I was like, because they keep keep saying the seven core will fall. As will the universe. I mean, now I know that you know the universe ends. What are we gonna read? But I just I, <laughs> we'll be reading it. I, I, I just I just mean like we've never gotten to the brink of as far as Jeff Johns's run is concerned. I'm not talking about the new stuff with Relic and all that kind of crap. But as far as this stuff is concerned, we never got to the cores at war with one another, and you know some of them starting to fall and, and that whole thing. The closest thing was probably when uh, Lar- when the when the Guardians being the 
the pricks that they are sent Lorfleet to attack the Blue Lanterns. Yeah. So when you had their when you had the Blue Lanterns fighting for their lives against Lorfleet and his constructs, that that because that's when they were that was one of the things when they were looking at their map and everything is oh the war of, you know the war of light has begun. That's one of the things that you see that the blue and the, I think the blue and the orange yeah, are wearing off. Yeah. We, we have but it, never, but it never really gets much further. You have you have skirmishes, but you don't have but you never had full out. Uh, War. You had like arm wrestling, but you didn't have full military conflict. Which is ironic if you consider too. How would the Blue Lanterns be on their own side? Yeah, yeah, they need a green. They need, they need a green or somebody <laughs> or somebody who goes both ways with blue and green. Let's find where the Green Lanterns are fighting, <laughs> so we can, <laughs> we can make our stand. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the one of the uh, the goals, one of Gantet's goals, was to kind of lure Hal Jordan over to the Blue so that he could, you know be their champion and have the green and the blue ring. I thought it was always Kyle. No, he wanted Hal. He wanted Hal. Oh, it was and Hal in the beginning. In the Rage of, in the Rage of the Red Lanterns, that's yeah. that's one that was that's one of the one of the big reveals at the end that that uh Saint Walker lays on Hal at some point is that uh that you are that you're kind of making it sound like he was des that you know, he's kinda of like destined to leave or the blue land the green lanterns to come lead the blue lead the blues. I remember um, that. So, because he hadn't would have had enough will to to fuel the entire uh, Blue Lantern, the entire Blue Lantern Corps, and Gantha kind of again, one of the one of the things they foreshadow, I think, in the in the one shot, I think it was in the one shot, either or it's or eh, either way, it's when it's when Gantha appears, it's when Gantha and Sade appear to Hal. So it's not the one shot. It's I think it's later on when uh when they're telling him probably in actually twenty five. I'm thinking about it. After they probably imprison Parallax or something, that they're talking about how you know they're going to do everything they can you know to to assist you, or we'll do everything we can to assist you, and that's kind of what the basically what the Blue Lantern Corps was really designed for was to assist the Green Lanterns. It was just done in a, in a way you didn't expect. You didn't expect them to go off and form their own corps as a way of helping Hal Jordan and the Green the the, the rational Green Lanterns. <laughs> Not that Hal is always rational, but still. <laughs> yeah. All right. What else? The uh, issue twenty-five actually features uh, an appearance from uh, the Yellow Candle, uh, the Bizarro Hal Jordan. I was just looking at that page. <laughs> uh, I think I, I feel like it's uh, the in the special that there's a panel where the Sinestro Corps is like attacking a world with a Green Lantern. And the Green Lantern is the the one from uh, that um, the annual, the Dead Earth annual, from the Kyle Rayner run. Oh yeah, like that bird Green Lantern. Yeah. What about uh, Guy Gardner being attacked by Despotellus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the the Deus Ex Machina of having a a Green Lantern that's an antivirus. But there's a yin and yang for everything in both cores. So that would make sense. <laughs> Well, I like the, I like the fact also that if you go if you go back to the uh, you go back to the one shot when Superboy Prime is still being contained in his little prison cell that it, it's kind of ironic now that Guy Gardner creates a Supergirl blowing him a kiss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Considering he doesn't he doesn't know who she is now. Yeah, oh, just because of how how relevant she was at least for a short period of time, wearing the same ring as him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. I just thought that was kind of that was kind of a that was. That was kind of ironic, I thought. I wish you know. Oh, sorry. 
Well, speaking of which, what you call it? Um, that was one thing that I thought was a little odd because when they were on the antimatter, you know, the when they were on Quard, Hal Jordan grabs like you know the the yellow ring, and you know he's trying to make it work. Meanwhile, Guy Gardner, who you know, he even makes a comment about how he used to you know wield it all the time. Like he doesn't grab one to kind of you know amp up his own powers. Wasn't Hal the only one at zero, or were they both out of power? Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, like, even if even if Guy had, like, you know, say 15% or whatever, you know, it would be much better if he was wielding, you know, a 15% ring and a 100% ring together. Or well, even just t- take one as a backup. Yeah, well, that's true. I kind of wish Alan Scott had more to do in these as well. I mean, he's he's all over it as far as, like, visually. But I'm there, and there's even one point where Kilowog says something like, uh, "Leave it to Alan Scott and the Earthmen." But I think it'd be cool. It would have been cool to see Alan in there more, take a more uh, hands-on role. I like the parallax one shot too. I thought the art was really good on that, and it was kind of interesting seeing, kind of getting the first real look in, into what it's like when you're stuck. Basically, even though parallax is technically stuck inside of you, how you feel like you're stuck inside a parallax. Yeah, who did the art in that? Um, Adriana Mello, including the the pinups of like Jade and everybody. Oh, let me get to the back. Let's see. Because there's that super detailed art of Jade and his mother and Donna and Alex. Those like drawings or whatever. I think yeah, the same artist. Okay, because that was those were so awesome to see, and the way they did that painting. That was awesome. Wasn't there, and, and if we've mentioned it already, I'm sorry, but is it even in here, the the Blue Beetle special? Was there a Blue Beetle special or something with this? Just a regular issue, right, Jim? Yeah. Yeah. Blue yeah. Yeah. Did, yeah, yeah, Blue yeah. I think uh, Did, he comes in contact with Guy Gardner. That's just, right? But that's nowhere in, in any of these trades, including the Tales of No, Four. no, yeah. If you, uh, if you don't read it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, I guess, and even if you read that issue and you were a Blue Beetle fan, then it was basically just like, you know, he has an interaction, you know, with that, what was going on. But it wasn't like you had to go and read, you know, the big crossover to figure out what the hell was going on. It was just a story. Speaking of the stories, what do you think of all the stories of the various Yellow Lanterns, like Despotelis and Bedovian and Carousel? I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's... the origin stories hmm. man like I, I I wish they would do something like that now just give us you know put out a comic you know put out a comic even if it's like quarterly you know where you just <laughs> give us like a, a few Green Lantern tales that don't have anything to do with continuity you know it's just like okay now we're going to tell a story about you know the box Green Lantern you know <laughs> random sectors yeah, just whatever. Just, and at this point, you can do it with you know with all the colors. They did that for Blackest Night, and it was awful. Well, for the most, for the most not part, all, not all of it was awful. Yeah, like you had the first issue. I think was really good. The second issue was half good, and the third issue was almost completely awful. The third issue also had like uh, issue zero of Blackest Night with commentary. Well, let me see. Yeah, had, the first one had the same Walker and, story. Which was really a good story. 
Yeah, Blease was great. Well. Yeah, Blease was another. Blease is another. Was was another standout. That was one of the ones where they had Kilowog, right? One of those was Kilowog in one of those. With um, uh, Army. Yeah. 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 Was that in that one? I thought that was in one of those three issues. First issue had Saint Walker story, Mongol, and uh, Indigo one when she channeled, you know, all the different cores. Oh, that's right. right. The first, the first, the real, the first real appearance of the Indigo Core, mm-hmm. right? Yes. The tribe. And I then say. I don't have two here, but three was yeah, Kilowog and his drill, uh, drill sergeant, and Arisa, which they really dropped the ball on editing that story because. You know, the ring was passed on to the next of kin, basically. Remember, that irked me. And I think two was Carol and Blease. Yeah, where is two? I don't seem to have it here. And the Carol yeah, story but... was oh. not good. It was like, it, it was by like a decent artist. Like it was a, like a really good artist. Nicholas Scott, but... right? No, no, it was... Um... Oh, I think of the three issue mini. The, yeah, um, that was the one the of them. did. Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. Um, oh, I can't remember his name now. Um, is it? It's not Billy Tan. No, 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 no. no, no. Um, God, what was his name? Well, in any case, he's normally an amazing artist. It's just that in that story, it was nothing but Carol's face. You know, because it was like basically just, you know, the plane and the colors were like so muted. And boring in that the uh, the Aresia story wasn't great. The Kilowog story was not great. Oh, here it, it is. Was, the, the Kilowog story was like like a cliche. Like the whole thing was a cliche. Gene Ha. Gene Ha. Yeah, Gene Ha. Gene Ha is a phenomenal artist. Sometimes, not that time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, back in the day, you had uh, Tales of the Green Lantern Corps. You just get tales of Green Lanterns doing stuff, you know, or stuff that they've already done in the past. This, you know, stories about them doing stuff. And that's awesome. That's all you need. You know, this was like, it's like, okay, well, you know, we have, you know, we're going to take each issue and split it into three parts, you know, and then, you know, some are going to be good and most of them are going to be bad. And, That'll kill this uh, this concept for a while. And Bloom actually had a yeah mini story. That was, I do remember that one. That was kind of interesting. That one was funny. Not glommy, but close enough. <laughs> so yeah, and the tales of the core stories you guys were talking about in uh, I think Green Lantern twenty five we get the Sinestro story and you know. Listen, Drax ends it with, yeah, he was the greatest Green Lantern and he will be again, even if no one knows it. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a nice place to end it. Yep. One of the things that I thought was kind of interesting, uh, I don't, and I don't think that maybe Johns gave a uh, heads up or something to, uh, to Van Jensen and Vin, Robert Venditti, or maybe not, and if not, which I highly doubt. We, uh, we could talk about it here. I'm trying to find the exact page. But uh, Sade's, uh, Sade quotes the, the Book of the Black. At some point she says, um, 
Okay, a face of metal and flesh shall speak the secret. Shall speak the secrets of the fifty-two. Fear will rise, willpower will gather, and a war of light will unleash the truth behind the power of the ring. What was the truth behind the power of the ring? What do we all think it was? Wasn't that supposed to be the different colors? I mean, was it the, was it the different colors? Was it you know the whole uh, reveal in Blackest Night later on about the White Lantern or the, the I thought the it was entity? the White. I think I thought it was at least we were supposed to take it that it was to reveal. A, it was the reveal of where life where life began in the universe, right? And it had to do with the white had to do with the white entity and things too. That the Earth, how how critical, how important the Earth was, and the white. I thought that was the the secret behind the ring. And I thought that I but there's something else that I can't think of. I thought there was another part of it, but I thought I thought that was definitely part of it. <laughs> kind of funny too. They make mention here that Hank Hank Henshaw. Traveled beyond the uh, the source wall. The source wall. What did they set it into? The bleed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he did, he did try to, he did transfer his essence into the to the source wall. So that at one point, one of the many times he supposedly died, that was a time when Hal, right? That's what we isn't that where he supposedly went after Hal, quote unquote, killed him when he was parallax. Yeah, that was the uh, final night one shot. Yeah, the final night one shot. I think yeah. that's where I think that's where Hank Kenshaw supposedly went. Then during that time was was into the source into the source wall. Because yeah, because that's where that's where that's where Hal was when Kyle found him yeah. to try to bring him back to help save the Earth. That was a good issue. Yes, it was. <clears throat> the art wasn't that great in the final night yeah. one shot, but, but the story was really good. It was it was okay. I mean, it was Mike McCone art artwork, which I yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not like it's it was it wasn't how I view. You know the artists who I think of when I think of Parallax. Besides Daryl, I also think I also go back to Zero Hour, so I'm thinking of Jurgens. Yeah. So, but anything else? Jim, did this did the Sinestro Corps War uh, make you feel better about the whole fear bug thing? A little bit. I, you know, like I hated the fear bug, but I think by maybe like issue seven or eight, then. Uh, I, I was I was on board the you know the story again. I still wasn't you know big on it. I think having eye on there definitely makes the fear bug slightly more palatable, you know, because it's like okay, well he's not the only one, and it also yeah, I, I definitely like once you got you know got that, and then all of a sudden it's like okay, you know, I think at some point relatively soon they mentioned the predator. I think that's in Sins of the Star Sapphire. They mm-hmm. mentioned the the Predator and like he's like trapped in like a crystal there, and it's like as soon as they mention the Predator, it's like well wait a second, you know that's from that's from back in the '90s series also. Mm-hmm. Or actually, was was it even before that? Yeah, late '80s. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know that was in the the really old series. Um, and you know, plus, they make it clear start... they they make it clear that the Predator is af- absolutely the entity of love. Before. As the, as the build up to Blackest Night, when when I think when Scar is tell, telling Black, making it clear that Black Hand basically you are the you are our entity if you will of death, much like the Predator, much like blah blah blah. So they actually, if there was any doubt even heading into Blackest Night that the Predator was supposed to be the entity of the Sapphires. I mean, Scar Scar kind of gives you the reveal I think in in the uh, prologue to Blackest Night and and Green Lantern that that's the uh, that was one of the entities they he she rattles off. Sorry, uh, Jim. 
Yeah, yeah, no, uh, just uh, I that the those additions like definitely help because then it's like you start wondering. It's like okay, well, if if John's pulled, you know, three of these, you know, these uh, entities from concepts that have already been around, then let's see if he's able to do it with, uh, you know, the other four. Unfortunately, not so much. <laughs> no, but it, but it was kind of a nice it was kind of a nice hint that this that the idea that the specter might have been the Red Lantern one. Yeah, that would have been that would have been great. That really would have been great. Uh, or at least if the specter was bo- the specter was uh, bonded to the Red Lantern, you know, the Red Lantern entity. Oh, the entity? Yeah, that would have been cool. that yeah, that he was the host for it basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. would have been that that could have been that could have been an, an interesting way to go. Yeah. I do like I do like the fact that when Kyle Lax gets, pulls in uh, pulls in Hal. The the suit we get is basically the suit we get later on when Sinestro takes on Parallax. Oh yeah, the yellow yellow, yeah. pretty much. It's almost exactly the the same suit. <laughs> yeah, each of them separately didn't have enough fear to make the suit yellow. Right. But you <laughs> add them both. <laughs> I'm sure Johns was keeping the Sinestro Parallax thing in his back pocket for a very long time. Yeah. Even though they again they tease that they tease at it in, in like what, like Green Lantern but 49 again when Hal takes in Parallax. Then when Sinestro is trying to make the case, no, it should be me who's doing it. Like what happened to you last time? <laughs> but at least after the fact, after the fact, like in Sinestro one again, touching on old material, that. They make it clear. Sinestro makes it clear that it wasn't quite as easy to control Parallax as he kind of made it seem in the wrap-up to Wrath of the First Lantern. That it took a lot of work. There was also the the scene. Uh, I don't think we talked about it yet. Where uh, Hal tells everybody to get the hell out of Coast City, and they don't. And they put their green lights in the window instead. Yeah. Yeah. We did kind of we didn't mention the details, but yeah. yes, we just the city without fear. Which now, ha- which now hasn't exploded. Oh, I'm sorry. That's New 52 talk. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're just not afraid for no reason. That's right. But Hal still became Parallax. For some reason, they're not going to bother telling us, though. It would seemingly be very, very important to know this. <laughs> he stubbed his toe. <laughs> <laughs> he was afraid that he was going to stub it again. Yeah. <laughs> he-, he bet on the Broncos. <laughs> he just couldn't deal with it. I don't. Uh, he was afraid he was going to become an alcoholic <laughs> and drunk drive again uh, for the first time. That's right. Uh, you know, looking back, it's kind of funny how many of the lanterns we know are all dead and gone. Baduka, Laria. I mean, they've they've really decimated the core. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the lost. Obviously, a lot of the Lost Lanterns had bought it, because even in this storyline, you had, what, K-Han and uh, Jack, Jack, T. Ch- Jack. Jack T. Chance bought it. Um, Which I think Johns refers to in one of his little, the, like, the special interview at the end or whatever, is, like, uh, Guy Gardner Light. Like, that's why they <laughs> yes, killed <yeah>. him. <laughs> well, he was the one that probably would have been missed the least. And many, I mean, they probably. I mean, you think about it. They killed the ones in the storyline that probably would have been missed the least. 
Um, and obviously they had plans for Lara. We know that. You know, we we know that they they had bigger plans for her. Um, so Tomar is still around, uh, but Graf is still around. Is that is that it? No, uh, Hanu is still around. <laughs> Hanu, yeah. Well, Hanu came in when this current iteration of the core, right? No. Or the uh, 2000, what is it, seven title? Or was he around before that? He was he was around in Emerald Twilight. He was one of the guys. He, that's why he was, he's one of the Lost Lanterns. He's one of the guy Hal beat along the way to get to Oa. Actually, the first the first Lost Lantern that actually died was when the cyborg when they brought when they brought those characters back with the cyborg with cyborg Superman, the guy with the eye patch who I'm forgetting the name of. Oh, he's the guy that gets killed in that storyline. So that's when they find Arisia and the Lost Lanterns that are still that are still alive. But but the Lost Lanterns don't have a great track record. <laughs> <laughs> But Hanu is pretty cool, and actually, I like Graf as long as he could stop telling us about not using the emotional spectrum anymore. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> and Tomar is pretty cool. Come on, Graf, don't be that guy. <laughs> what about the? Why can't we use this again? What about the? Um, what do they call it? Is it the table of contents or whatever that shows all the various lanterns and gives like little box bios? Was that? In what, like a special issue, or what was that? Because I only had secret files. Yeah, Yeah, that was the secret files of the Sinestro Sinestro Corps. Yeah, that was cool. Some of these secret files and origins. Some of these lanterns that like barely even spoke. Like there was the 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 obvious Hulk ripoff, Schlagman. (laughs) Hey, but they have Budge in there. They got Budge in there. After he once bit through a policeman's neck, a judge ruled that Schlagman's teeth be removed. And, and 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 neutered. He can now bite through anything, be it a steel door or the skull of the judge who pulled out his teeth. <laughs> you sure you're not thinking about the, the James Bond Jaws character? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was sent into space. <laughs> where was uh, where was Parallax before the storyline? They never they never said. Well, after um, Rebirth, what happened to him? He, he was trapped in the... He was trapped in the central power battery again. Yeah. It was the central power battery? Yeah, because it's yes. in Sinestro Core that they're split up into the batteries. Okay. So then... No, he was in the yellow. He was in the yellow battery. He was in the yellow battery, what, in the one shot, but originally... But the last time we saw him... And at the end of Rebirth, they trapped. Remember, they fought and trapped him and pushed him back in the central power battery in Oa. Yeah, they transmitted him from the, from the like Hal's battery or something. No, that the the four battery thing was in issue twenty five. No, 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 no. I'm talking. I'm talking about when when he was defeated, he was put in a battery, but he was put in the central batter, power battery through Hal's battery or something like that. I thought they pushed him directly back into the central power battery. No, they weren't on Oa. All all of them. I could look it up. They weren't on Oa. They were pushing them back toward. I don't didn't think they did the tra- battery transfer, because that's one of the things the Guardians were supposed to be prepared for on on uh, on Oa. I think was to uh, basically tra- help trap Pal- Parallax when they pushed him back that far. But Parallax was sucked through the lantern's rings into the central power battery. Boom. But you all s- of them. You s- okay, well you said ba- you said through their battery. Yeah. Well, but rings. either way, it's splitting the difference. It's splitting the concept is the same no matter how we got there. 
Hey, you know who I found in this chat just flipping through? Who? Al- Oliversity, that our, our Snake Lantern. He's in here? Yeah, he is. In the second yeah, we'll half? Pay. Which volume? I mean, as far as the trades are concerned. The 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 Sinestro Core Secret File on Origins. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, he's in he's 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 actually listed in this. Does it talk about his venom? <laughs> he's super convenient venom. I've got a venom for that issue. <laughs> Which which page is he on? I'm trying to see the page number on this. Or, he's almost right near the middle. He's across from Bizd. Ah, uh, cowgirl. How I miss thee. Von Dackle. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the Moro story, too. That was cool. It doesn't say that he has, like, basically oh? unlimited yeah. number of Venoms, but it does mention it does definitely mention the Venom because they use it to create a... You know, discover that antitoxins have long-term effects on the recipients, and they go. They do mention his venom, but they don't do it as well. Um, oh, like yeah, he's got a Batman utility belt of it. Hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Sodomia. That is cool. You know, I think it's time for a new Secret Origins special issue, just to know what lanterns we have left. And yeah, is Rotlob fans still around? <laughs> You know? Yes. Are you saying that because you yes. know that, or because you believe it deep down in your heart? He's well. He's never been shown in any of the crypts. Yeah. He's still alive. There's no. There's no. Uh, there's no bio for box. <laughs> His bio is a UPC code. <laughs> right. UPS. We deliver. Okay, guys. We're done? That's it for me. I'm done. Alright. Well, do you want to you you plug your show before we uh, close out? Absolutely. Because Corwin's um, going to plug his. <laughs> well, I know I'm not going to plug Corwin's. <laughs> Although, maybe okay. I should for the next one. <laughs> um, what you call it? Yeah, uh, Sliders Cast. Uh... If you want to hear me and Dan talk about stuff, we talk about it on the Sliders cast. Um, it's just like the Lantern cast as it used to be, um, only better because we're talking about sliders. What TV like shots. episode are you guys on? We're uh, uh, we just posted episode six last week, so this week will be episode seven. Um, I believe it's the weaker sex is the episode. Sliders land on a world where uh, women are the uh, have the upper hand in society. Yeah, that's how it is now. So, how many episodes <laughs> is like the whole series? I mean, what are we looking at? There's, episodes? A, there's 88 episodes. Uh, okay. The show lasts for five seasons. Um, in between each uh, season uh, of reviews, we're going to tackle some uh, you know some other little things like. They were uh, they were a number of uh, comic one shots and series. Um, Will you be getting to the Sliders novel? At some point, we probably will get to the Sliders novel. Um, we'll get to the uh, the Sliders uh, Funnier Die Kickstarter parody. Um, maybe an interview or two, you know, and then just some random topics about Sliders and uh, you know. We'll we be talking about burgers at one point. At some point, we have to talk about burgers. It's just, it's a foregone conclusion. And chicken. Yeah. 
chicken sliders? <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, if you get desperate yeah, enough. It's a lot of fun, you know, and, like, I guess every once in a while, if we really want to, like, we can veer off and talk about just, like, you know, other alternate universe kind of things in general, just because it's somewhat tied in. I like to think that everything is a possible Sliders offshoot. The Exiles. Sliders can coincide with, like, anything. <laughs> they can just, you know, phase into a world. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we're in a comic book world now. Okay. How long are we here? 32 pages. Perfect. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, Uh We're on iTunes. Just search for Sliderscast. If you want to email us, it's uh, Sliderscast at Sliderscast, Sliderscast, Sliderscast. <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. That's it for me. Well, thanks for coming on, Jim. Thanks for having me. That's what. Good to have you back, Jim. Oh, uh, yes. Corwin? All right. Listeners can find me on Earth's Mightiest Podcast. Uh, you can go to the website, earthsmightiestpodcast.com, where you hear us talk about all the Avengers books. We also have EMX, which is our X-Men podcast, where we literally just talk about the books like the listeners have already read it. So if you're not reading the X-Men books, you may not get much from it, but you know, we just talk about what we like, what we don't like. And also, uh, Mark with the podcast, myself and Scott cover all things Deadpool. Awesome. And how can listeners talk to us, Mark? I'm not really sure anymore, Chad. <laughs> Does it really matter? Why would they? <laughs> Why would they want to? <laughs> if you would like to contact us, <laughs> email us, lanterncast at gmail.com. That's lanterncast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com. You can access our forums. You can check out the movie reviews, our galleries, uh, products of the week, month, whatever, whenever we do one, blogs, <laughs> etc., etc. Chad and I are creative, so stuff will be there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and, li- and like us on Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to locate us on both. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you like us on iTunes, please leave a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. That's 708-LANTERN! And let us know what you think. And if you are any kind of fan of the Green Lantern stuff, Sinestro Core Wars definitely something you should read. Uh, if you get the Omnibus, just realize it does... Not the Omnibus, I'm sorry. The Absolute Edition. Just realize it doesn't have the one-shots in it. Um, you can get the... What was it? Three trades? Yes. You can get the one-shots in those as well. So definitely something listeners need to read, though. Mm-hmm. And it smells great, the Absolute Edition. Mm. Well, <laughs> <It> smells mm. great. <laughs> less filling smells great. <laughs> well, we're at the two, a little less than two-hour mark, guys. So we were uh, – plus it's kind of a special episode. So we're going to be skipped the feedback this time around, but we are definitely getting it, getting to it next episode. Uh, and we won't tell you what's happening next episode, mostly because we don't know yet. <laughs> well, I, I definitely want to say thanks for having me on, guys. Um, you know, Sinestro's my boy, so I'm really looking forward to, to hearing you guys cover his uh, his uh, his new ongoing title. Well, you have heard us cover it already. <laughs> I was just going to say, and it was oh. good. <laughs> yes, I it was great. <laughs> Waving his fingers in Jedi-like motion, you know you enjoyed it, Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just edit that well, part. Guys. <laughs> 
<laughs> Guys, this was uh, this was definitely a good episode, but I don't know why you turned down the chance to have a drunk episode with me and Corwin again. <laughs> you can come on drunk for the Laura Fleas <laughs> series retrospective. No threshold. Oh. <laughs> we gotta we gotta finish out threshold. <laughs> no, we don't. You do. You do need to finish out Threshold because I'm kind of curious how it ends and there's no way that I can read those books. I was going to say, does that mean I have to read them? Because I have them. I just haven't read them. (laughs) You and me me both, my friend. (laughs) All right, y'all. We'll talk to you later. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Jim Ford. Nah, I'm Chad Bokelman. Oi. <laughs> what? I was last, right? No, you weren't last. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was last. No, I put myself last. <laughs> it's okay, Corwin. Logically, it would have made sense. It doesn't matter. Just take two. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Chad Bokelman. And I'm Corwin Kroll. And I'm Mark Marble. I'm sorry, I'll stop playing. I'll stop playing. (laughs) Actually, you should have said, and I'm Dan Kurtzke. We throw that at the end of the at the end of the episode. I will. The way the way that he said it, it's like, and I'm Corwin Kroll. Like that's it. No more after me. Yeah, I know. So it's like he's like, wait, wait, I'm Mark Marble. I'm here too. I'm still friggin' Mark Marble, but I'm 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 taking my comics and going home. Uh I'll I'll let the cats record for me. (laughs) Mark Marble's here too, sitting in a corner, staring at us creepily. Uh, <clears throat> are we are we using this? Are we going with this? No, I, I mean I'm I'll put it at the end of the episode. But uh, <laughs> all right, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> serious, serious time. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bulkman. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Corwin Kroll, <sighs> and I'm Dan Marble. <laughs> The Amalgam Universe lives. Uh, Hi, everybody. I'm your worst nightmare. (laughs) Oh, I anticipated this. Hmm. You know, I wasn't going to be the one that started it. But once it got started, (laughs) then I have to anticipate. Uh. Okay. For reals. (laughs) 